we're going to continue in worship um, in just a moment. And uh, I just want to share with you like... Well, um, is he dead or isn't he? He died, but uh, some people have the audacity to say that they've actually seen him. I'm one of them. I saw him in Burke Street Mall in Melbourne, in the city. Elvis Presley. Is he dead or isn't he? Mm. Do you believe the king still sings as he gets reincarnated into more and more impersonators? Or do you think the king's dead? It's kind of like the Tasmanian tiger. Some believe him, others don't. I reckon the same confusion exists around Jesus Christ. For non-Christians, and probably as well for Christians. He died some 2,000 years ago, but people are, are a little confused as to whether or not he stayed dead or if he actually came alive. You see, just like Elvis, there have been sightings. What do you think? What do you fair income think? Is Jesus dead or is he alive? It's a question I want us to ponder a bit tonight. If you've got your Bibles with you, please turn to Matthew chapter 27. I'll read it out so you don't need to have it. Matthew 27. From 45, the death of Jesus. From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine and vinegar, put it on a stick and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. If we look down at verse 57. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that he be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. Well, it's official. Jesus is dead. This is significant. 33 years of age, and now Jesus is dead. He showed a lot of potential, this Jesus. I mean, the stuff he said, absolutely brilliant. He said things like this. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God the Father except through me. And he said, anyone who believes in me will not die, but have eternal life. 
And he said other stuff that actually pointed to him being the son of God, God in human form, that he had come not to condemn the world, but to save people from their sin, from an eternity without God. Such hope-filled words. And then the stuff he did, also absolutely brilliant. And all his actions just seemed to validate all the stuff he said about himself. He healed people from their sickness. He raised the dead, released people from demonic oppression. He forgave sins. He performed great miracles. One, taking a few fish and a couple of loaves of bread and feeding more than 5,000 people. But then, all the potential, gone. Gone. Gone because he was executed, murdered through crucifixion some 2,000 odd years ago. Let's face it, people. If Jesus is dead, all his words and brilliance account for nothing. Promises are empty. There's no life in Jesus. There's no hope in Jesus. There's no victory in Jesus. There's no purpose in Jesus. Because Jesus is dead. He's certainly not God as well, because you can't kill God, can you? And there are no people more gutted by the fact that Jesus was dead than the men who followed him around for three years while he did all his ministry. People who were like his interns, if you like, or uh, mini-me's, or whatever you like to call them. And these men, a number of uh, women also who were close to him, they were gutted, they were saddened. They were depressed. Their world had collapsed on them because death had overcome Jesus, their Lord and Saviour. We get a small insight into the state of their thinking when we see them in a situation a few days after his death. And they get in this conversation with a bloke on the road. They stood still, it says, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem, talking to this bloke? Are you only a visitor? And do you not know the things that have happened there in, in these days? What things, he asked. He replied, about Jesus of Nazareth. They replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it's the third day since he died. Yep, Jesus is dead. And if he's dead, we should be sad and very depressed. Because our faith is misplaced. The hope of life is gone because just like everyone else, just like Jesus, we're all going to die. Death's going to overcome us. Now let me ask you a question. Is your Jesus dead? Have you given your life to following a dead Jesus? It seems like for many of us, many of us Christians, this is the case. It seems like we're stuck on Good Friday. When Jesus was crucified, there's no victory in life. 
There's no hope for the future. There's just a life lived now with a sense of the unknown. Like we're saying, I don't know what awaits me after I die. I don't know if the world's going to overcome me. I don't really know why I'm living. I don't know what purpose I'm living for. Sad and depressed Christians. And why wouldn't this be the case if your Jesus is dead? Why wouldn't this be the case if Jesus has got your Jesus has got no power over the world? Now you might say, my Jesus isn't dead. And my response to each and every one of us would be, then why do we live as if he is? People, it's not Good Friday anymore. It's Easter. It's not Friday, it's Sunday. Jesus is no longer dead. He's alive. Please turn with me to Luke now. Luke 24, verses 1 to 12, and then we'll go a little bit on from that. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. And then in verse 36, the disciples gathered in a room somewhere. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and ate it in their presence. Jesus is alive. And this is a very, very big deal. The fact that Jesus was resurrected from death and later ascended and went back to be in heaven with God the Father and the Spirit means a great deal. What does it mean? It's that Jesus is alive and he's victorious. 
His resurrection vindicates everything he has said and done and all that other people say about him. That he's a son of God. That he's eternal in nature. That he's part of the Trinitarian Godhead. This Jesus has walked the earth and has now died on the cross for the sin of the world and has been raised to life. It's all true. Jesus is alive and he's victorious. Here's some of these things about how victorious Jesus is. Jesus has overcome the power of sin. Jesus has overcome the power of Satan. Jesus has overcome the power of death. Jesus restores relationship with God. Jesus gives eternal life. And because Jesus has done all this, because he is victorious, those who have faith in Jesus, they are victorious with him. So we have overcome the power of sin through faith in Jesus. We have overcome the power of Satan through faith in Jesus. We have overcome death through faith in Jesus. We have restored relationship with God through faith in Jesus. We have been given eternal life through faith in Jesus. Because Jesus is alive, the Christian faith is victorious and hope-filled. I wonder, do you really know you have victory. Does anyone here play a bit of sport? If you become one, don't be shy. Sporty people. Has anyone here ever won a premiership? Now the hands go a bit more bolder. <laughs> Has anyone ever lost in a premiership? <laughs> Runners up doesn't sound quite as sweet, does it? I played in one senior premiership for um, a local footy club where I grew up, and it was Alexandra Rebels. We wore St Kilda jerseys, uh, and my team, um, when we played, we were quietly confident that if we just focused on the game, played our usual brand of footy, that we could easily win this game. Not easily, but we could win it. We played hard footy, but by about half time. It was clear that the opposition, which was Shepherd and East, they were getting away from us. And by three-quarter time, when the siren went, we all rocked up to the kind of the, the huddle where the coach was going to give us the pep talk, and all the heads were hanging down low. Kind of a shame to look at anyone because we were getting um, a bit flogged. Barring a miracle on a footy field, it was going to be a very ugly final quarter. So we go out. We played the hardest we could. We chased the ball down despite muscle cramps and knee vomiting and some of the guys vomiting out there until that siren went. And you know what? We lost. <laughs> we narrowed the margin. We lost. <laughs> I've never seen so many grown men cry as at that footy game. When you play a game of sport... Um, whether it be a normal round or a finals match, you never know, do you, what the final result's going to be. You can never know without a doubt whether you'll come out the loser or the victorious winner. But here's the deal with Jesus, you're guaranteed. You're guaranteed. You're guaranteed to be victorious. 
God doesn't want us to be hanging our heads as if sin is just about to defeat us. Or that Satan, the devil, is winning and there's no way forward. God doesn't want you to fear death as if it's some impenetrable fortress that prevents you from reaching your goal. With faith in Jesus, we have victory. Now I wonder, do you know, do you fairly know you have victory? Jesus is alive. Now could somebody please welcome into the building Catch-22. A round of applause, please, for Catch-22. Thank you. Here's a problem we have. Even though we know it's the truth, and many of us have read about it, have sang about it, have prayed about it, we still struggle to believe it and live differently as a result. And this struggle, it's not uniquely ours either. It's been a human condition for a very long time. Even the disciples we read before kind of didn't quite get this risen Lord Jesus that had come. What can we really do to have this truth, to have uh, this, our victorious Jesus and the victorious faith we have in Jesus, how can we have it go deep within us? Deep within our minds, deep within our hearts, deep within the core of our being. How can we have that? Jesus gives us the way. So after he's in this story, after he's met the disciples and had some broiled fish, he moves on. And this is what he says. This is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Here we have Jesus uh, talking about himself. He's saying, the Christ, all these people have been talking about the Christ, that's, that's me. You know, they told you, predicted that I was going to suffer on the cross and die on the third day, rise from death. Yep, that happened just now. And then listen carefully to the next bit. This is how he's saying that people can appropriate the victory of Jesus in your life. He says, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in my name. Repentance is that act of turning away from living for yourself, turning away from the lifestyle that ignores God. Repentance is basically when you stop living for yourself and you start living for God. And then it talks about this notion of forgiveness of sins. And that's what we all need to have restored friendship with God. And then the amazing victory is what flows from this forgiveness of sins in Jesus. It says the effect of having restored relationship with God, it's it's all these things like that we overcome sin. No longer is it in control of us. We overcome death because Jesus has overcome it. We overcome Satan because Jesus has defeated Satan. We receive eternal life with God. It all flows from this forgiveness of sins. And then the key to this little little kind of passage in how to appropriate the victory is the last three words. Jesus says, in my name. Jesus is saying that you want victory. You want to know it more deeply. You want to have it for the first time. 
It's in my name. It's in Jesus' name that forgiveness is granted and that friendship with God can begin and that the victory is ours. It's in Jesus. Do you want to know this victorious truth to the very core of your being? Do you? Do I? To the very core of your being, do we actually want to know it that deeply? Do you want to know this victorious truth so that you live differently? You live in light of this amazing truth. If you want it, then look to Jesus. It's in Jesus. Turn away from everything else and look to Jesus. Look only to Jesus. Faith in Jesus alone brings victory. If you want to know it, people, honestly, if you want to know it to the core of your being, it's in him. It's in Jesus' name. Look to Jesus. You've got to believe, people. We've got to have faith in Jesus. Let me try and illustrate this notion of faith, this notion of belief a bit. Has anyone here ever um, said to you those three special words? I love you. No, that's sad, isn't it? It might be your mum or your dad, your brother, your sister, maybe a good friend. might even be that special person. That one that you really fancy. And the one you want to really fancy you. You want to hear from their lips, their lovely lips. Oh, sorry. Um, thinking about something. No. You want to hear. I love you. And this is where it might get a little interesting for you, depending on who you are. Because they can say these three words to you, I love you, but then you have an option, depending on who you are. Do you believe the words they say to you, or do you not believe? So they say, I love you, and you've got that whole dilemma. Do I believe it? Do I not believe it? So the first option would look a bit like this. This, I, you know, I don't believe you sort of thing. You might not say it, but inside you'll kind of feel that. They say, I love you. But you respond to yourself, you don't really mean that. So inwardly you're saying, yeah, nice to hear you say that, but you don't really mean that. And so you continue to try and win their affections. You might be nice to them. You might... Say nice things to them. Buy them a chocolate egg. You might just try all the ways you can so that they will love you. It's a tough situation because they've already said it. And if it's, you know, like, if they actually love you, they've already said it. And you don't believe them. You don't believe what they say. So you just keep trying to earn their love. That's what happens when you don't believe it, when you don't have faith in what they're saying. The second option, they say, I love you, and you respond to yourself, wow, I don't fully get it, but uh, 
I'm just going to believe it. I'm just going to have faith in, in who you are and your character and just believe what you say. Faith in their words. You receive their love and you want to do lovely things for them then. You want to say lovely things to them. You want to buy them a chocolate egg. But you're not trying to earn their love. You're not um, you know, trying to you know, make them love you. When we receive a person's love, we need to just trust the person for their word. Jesus says, turn away from everything else. All the things that you try and do to, you know, earn my love, however it is you work, you know, kind of even you can take reading the Bible and distort that into something that I'm reading the Bible now, he must love me, he must love me, I'm praying more now, he must love me more. Or whatever it is you work to try and get it and look only to Jesus. Trust not in yourself, it doesn't work. Trust in the character and the words of Jesus and his work on the cross for you. Do you get the, the point? Just got to believe it. Surrender to that truth. Jesus says, in my name, look to Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus alone. That's what will get us a deeper understanding of this victory when we surrender to that. Well, it's, um, just to sum up, it's 2008. It's been a long time since Jesus died and rose and ascended back to heaven. But the truth is the same. Jesus isn't dead. He's alive. And those who believe in Jesus share in this victory. Now, I don't know what you truly believe here tonight. I don't know if if you believe he's dead or if you believe he's alive or if your kind of actions actually tell you more about, you know, if he's actually dead or alive. But I could guess that in this building tonight, there's a lot of us who want to know it more deeply to the core of who we are. And those of us, some of us might even actually want to know it for the first time. And it's through faith in Jesus. Can you imagine how differently we'd live if we actually had that deeply at the core of who we are? if we knew that this victorious hope was ours, how it would affect the way we kind of seek God out in prayer and, and how we actually long to kind of study the scriptures and how we long to love people into the kingdom and just sharing about this amazing Jesus. Can you imagine the effect it would have you know, if we did that all together as a community here and living in the world? It would be amazing. Let's be people who... Long for that faith. And just kind of a closing point, pretty significant too. It's God who grants you faith. It's God who gives you faith, who gives me faith. So you want to know it deeply? Ask God for more faith and believe. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we... uh, It's such a massive concept, Lord, that you are no longer dead but resurrected and alive and and with God the Father. And oh, it's absolutely amazing. And Lord, what I pray for each and every one of us for tonight is that you would um, help us believe, Lord. Help us believe more 
Father God, to have faith, just to surrender to this truth of, of who you are, to give ourselves over to it, God, to believe in you, Father, to seek it nowhere else, to seek the victory only in you, Jesus. Father God, help us live in light of this as victorious followers of Jesus who are going to impact the world for your glory. Father, we pray and we need your help. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.